Welcome to Locked On NFL alongside the scout as always. I am Brian Peacock with Matt Williamson, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and you can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So we got to go fast. We got a lot of games, a full slate to get to here, Matt. Number one on my list is the Texans at Titans. Huge win, obviously. Huge game. Um, Texans jumped up early. The second half really belonged to the Titans. A.J. Brown, every time I watch this guy, I'm like, I just want to buy stock in this dude. I mean, he (laughs) is so good. But the Texans get the win. Um, I think Fuller being out there helped a lot. Really good game. First of two matchups between these guys. So that division's awful interesting. Ryan Tannehill, I think, feels the same way about A.J. Brown as you do, targeting him 13 times. He had those eight catches for 114 yards and a touchdown. And I don't know what's in the water or what's in the supplements over there at Ole Miss, but A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, both those guys, sometimes you think, oh, man, they're a little too rocked up. Both those guys spent time in the weight room, and they're, you know, maybe they're a little bit tight, and you see them run. You're like, man, they're still fast, though. Uh, amazing specimens there, and A.J. Brown really showing up as a rookie and has already overtaken Corey Davis as the number one wide receiver there. And early in this game, I thought, okay, here's where, you know, the clock strikes midnight with Ryan Tannehill maybe and uh, Watson and Tannehill throwing interceptions Early in that game, the Tannehill interception, Whitney Merciless, and he took it 90 yards, almost took it for a pick six. That set up the Houston Texans' first score. It was the first of two touchdowns to Kenny Stills, and then they jumped out to that 14-0 lead, did the Texans, but Titans came roaring back, and uh, that was a really good one down to the wire, but Houston wins it 24-21 on the road, which is huge because these two are going to play again in two weeks in Houston next time and so this is a big one to get the one on the road for the Texans who now have the lead at nine and five in the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans in second place and kind of on the outside looking in of the playoff spot at eight and six pending what happens tonight but uh, still there will be the Titans will not be either five or six seed no matter what happens with the Bills and Steelers tonight right so I mean again huge huge game Playoff caliber football, this time of year is awful fun for these type of things, isn't it? It's great fun. Even teams that aren't in the playoff picture anymore can play spoiler and can play some very high-level football, and almost any team can beat almost any team in the NFL week to week. So that's what makes this thing so fun. And then you get games like this where two teams are tied for first place, and it's like a win-and-go-in situation, and the Texans were the better team today and came out on top 24-21. to It's a super fun time of year. Oh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins got his. He had 119 receiving yards on, was it six or eight catches? Yeah, six catches, eight targets. It didn't seem like a dominant performance, but Hopkins was many plays I saw in this game. I mean, he was like almost punt coverage double teamed. (laughs) I mean, so he still broke out. Um, he's the straw that stirs the drink, but boy, they're so much better with Fuller too. Right. Yeah. Full compliment. You have stills and Fuller that can both get deep. And if you double and you pay too much attention to one guy, the other guys can get loose. And they were able to do that for the Texans, even though Watson didn't have the greatest day throwing two interceptions. I was surprised because if you would have said coming into this game that Watson throws two picks, I would say, oh, the Titans are going to win this football game because it was going to be all about how good Deshaun Watson played for them to go win on the road against a really good Tennessee Titans team that's playing at a high level right now. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, which team of these two do you trust more, though? Both have really had roller coaster seasons, and I started to think, boy, the Titans, I know who they are. And not that this is like, wow, I can't believe they lost by three to a really good Texans team. It's just I'm not sure on a week-to-week basis which of these top two teams in the AFC South is more trustworthy. It's really hard. I would say the Titans, I felt like I was going to trust them a little bit more, but I didn't really trust Tannehill, and I'm still waiting for him to have a really bad game and be like, oh, okay, this is why he's kind of become the the journeyman type. And But then he hasn't really done that. And I thought it was going to be this week early in the game, and it, and it didn't turn out to be that way. So I would have trusted Watson over Tannehill, but as a team, I feel like I would have trusted uh, the Titans more, and that got completely flipped. So I don't even know what to think anymore. Right. It's funny because I had never thought of watching through these, this lens, but I was a guest on one of the CBS radio national shows on Wednesday or on uh, Saturday. And the host asked me, he, he listed Watson and Wentz's statistics going into this week. And they were like identical. And he asked me, why is the perception of these two guys so vastly different? And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't think that they were. I mean, I was under the same perception too. Like, wow, they're really having similar years. Absolutely. And that's going to, if that one's not done, uh, Titans and Texans going to play again. There's two more weeks in the season. They're only a game apart now. And the AFC playoff picture could get very fun here. And um, Bills, Steelers tonight, even though both those teams would still be above the Titans. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of more weeks to go too, so this thing could get really shooken up there uh, at the bottom of the playoff picture in those five and six seed, yeah. the wild card teams in the AFC. I mean, they can redeem themselves, but this really hurts the Titans, yes. and they're hosting the Saints next week. Absolutely. Let's go to that Falcons and 49ers game that just ended before we jumped on here, and there was a garbage time touchdown. The Falcons scored two touchdowns in two seconds at the end of that game to come out with a 29-22 win. The 49ers tried a, a home run throwback Tennessee Titans miracle play at the end and ended up uh, the ball ended up on the ground. The Falcons scooped it and scored, but it was going to be a one point win, 23-22, because of a Robbie Gold missed extra point that gave the Falcons that one point advantage there at the end of the game. And right before the Falcons' last drive to go down the field and win it with the touchdown, George Kittle on a on a tight end screen had the first down. He could have run for the first down. He just kind of dropped the ball mid-run and ended up having to chase it out of bounds, and the 49ers had to kick instead and were only up five going into that final drive, and the Falcons were able to go down and a Julio Jones touchdown to win it. And and pretty much those two names, George Kittle and Julio Jones, were the story here. I was going to say, it seemed like it was Julio versus Kittle. It was. That was it. Julio Jones was targeted 20 times by Matt wow. Ryan in that I didn't game. know it was that many. 20 targets. He caught 13 passes for 134 yards, two of them including the game winner at the end. George Kittle also 13 receptions on 17 targets for exactly the same 134 yards as well. He did not get into the end zone, though. So that, that was a wild one. Just It was all Kittle, all Julio Jones, and they just kept going back to it. Yeah, and like you said, that last touchdown really doesn't count. I mean, you see some of those that skew things. Um, But I do give the Falcons credit on their true last drive where Julio just broke the plane, and I thought the Hooper catch maybe should have stood too on a play before. I mean, that was a 50-50 call to me. I give the Falcons credit. I mean, I think there is something to 
playing hard to keep your coach. Let's keep this thing going. Let's not blow it up. You know, we got an older quarterback, and uh, they gave the Niners all they could handle, obviously. And this is one of those things where you hoped for the 49ers it wasn't going to be a letdown, a trap game, and it turned out to be just that. Before the game, Kyle Shanahan had talked about it's going to be the Falcons' Super Bowl. We have to play like it's our Super Bowl still, and the 49ers did not. They came out flat. It was pretty ugly early. I think there was, at one point in the game, late in the second half, there was one catch by the 49ers wide receivers. It was just all Kittle, 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 and that's it. Kittle's a monster, and he's having fun, and he pancaked Ricardo Allen on a Raheem Mostert touchdown run. He pancaked him eight yards deep into the end zone on a goal line run, and he was getting up smiling afterwards. This is one of the highlights of the year, I think, for me, watching the 49ers because of how good of a block that was and how much fun Kittle was having. But just about Unreal. everybody else came out flat, so definitely a big letdown game for the 49ers. They're going to have to get up here for the next... They're, they're, I mean, they're in the playoffs, but they're going to need some luck, and they're going to have to win out and, and win against the Rams and win against the Seahawks in Seattle. Yeah, and just a quick Niners question for you is I know they have some injuries, but does the secondary worry a little bit? I mean, if you're going to play the Saints or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, you know what I mean? Size-wise, if Richard Sherman was in there instead of Emmanuel Mosley versus Julio, just because he's 6'3". And there was one drive, especially when they really targeted Mosley heavily. And he had really good coverage on one downfield pass to Julio Jones. I just think it was Julio being Julio. I don't really have a problem with the 49ers secondary. I think depth has been good enough to where you can lose a player as good as Richard Sherman. But they were without Jaquaski Tart, their number one strong safety. They were without Kwan Williams, their nickel corner too. So as long as those guys get back and get healthy, they should be in really good shape. And they have enough depth to still play pretty good aside from that. But this one, I think, was more about Julio being awesome than the 49ers secondary letting them down. Yeah, I just don't know that it's a strength of the team to begin with, and maybe that's a, the first-round picks, a safety or corner or something like that. I'm just looking for areas I'd be concerned about against the big, big dogs in the NFC. Right, and Jimmy Ward's a free agent, so safety mm-hmm. might still become a need for them, and you know, Richard Sherman's not the youngest guy in the world, so they could definitely still look at the secondary, but I wouldn't say it's one of their most glaring needs, and which is surprising because I thought I wasn't sure about it coming into the season. They've actually exceeded my expectations in the secondary for sure. Yeah, 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 100% right. All right, I talked about those Cowboys. Let's go to that game next. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. The Dallas Cowboys put up 44 points 
on the Los Angeles Rams, 44-21, the final there. I guess we're starting with the later games here, which is which is fine, because this is an important game in the NFC East, and the Rams are in rough shape to try to get a, a playoff spot. They might just have to play spoiler the rest of the way. Yeah, and the Cowboys play the Eagles next week. I was listening to the game, and they say if the Cowboys win that game, the race for the East is over. So, obviously, they're in the driver's seat now. I didn't see this coming. I mean, I was torn who to pick. I thought the Rams would win. I put a buck or two on the Rams, minus one, and this wasn't competitive at all. Yeah, the Cowboys beat the Eagles earlier this season. I think it was week seven or something like that. And so they will have that tiebreaker of head-to-head. So next week is it for the Cowboys and the Eagles if Dallas does win. And what was crazy about this game, I think, for the Cowboys is that it wasn't Amari Cooper. Because usually when the, the Dallas Cowboys offense goes big, Amari Cooper's a big part of that. He had one catch. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I assume he saw a lot of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that the, the Rams can do to a number one now is try to lock that player down and win elsewhere. But, man, it was just uh, a lot early for the Cowboys. They had 28 in the first half, and, and that game was pretty well over, and they still poured it on a little bit more in the second half. Goff injured his thumb in this game and really had some struggles as he went along, too. Yeah, and Goff's not the best. I mean, that's really becoming one of the things with Jared Goff is he's not a good road player. He plays a lot better at home than he does on the road. It seems to bear itself out almost every week. Last week, doing well against Seattle. This week, not so well on the road against the Cowboys. But a big, huge win, I think, for the Cowboys. The Rams, it was going to be tough anyway for them to get in. They, They might play spoiler the rest of the way because they do have the 49ers next week. But Todd Gurley, 1.8 yards per carry. He did get a late touchdown, which helped his fantasy owners, I think, but 11 carries for only 20 yards. Yeah, and he's been more productive of late. The play-action game has really come on. Um, But when it's not there, Goff gets exposed. I mean, I often call him a fair-weather quarterback, and I'm not beating on him because he got his his, thumb issue. It just kind of seems like he needs things to be optimal to really be an effective player. Uh, Speaking of tight ends, Hooper and George Kittle doing their thing, uh, Tyler Higby had 12 catches for 111 yards in this one. and uh, A lot of throwing, obviously, for Goff. He threw it 51 times because they were down early, and at at that point they are like, well, the run game's not doing much anyway, so we got to chuck the heck out of it. But anyways, yeah, it was was a dominating victory for the Dallas Cowboys. Higby's a monster lately. He has been. He's really come on, and you thought it was going to be the other guy. They drafted Gerald uh, Everett in the second round, and you thought, okay, well, he's going to be the guy who ends up being the Jordan Reed for that offense, and it just never happened. And now Higby has stuck around and, and outlasted him and kind of become the guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good player. I've always liked him. He was an athletic guy coming out of small school, much like Everett. I mean, they, they have good receivers. I mean, if they move on from Cook or somebody like that this offseason, maybe make it a little more tight end centric like they have lately. So the Philadelphia Eagles, it looked like they were going to lose that game at one point late against the Redskins. They ended up coming back in and holding on to beat Washington on the road 37-27. They're at 7-7 now in the NFC East. And as we mentioned, a big one coming up next week that will really be for all the marbles in the AFC East. I I had mentally put that the the Eagles had lost this game, but they actually did hold on. It felt like it. Yeah, and won that game. And they lost in my heart because they looked like they weren't going to be very good. Carson Wentz had three touchdowns. He had a big fumble that he lost late in that game. Miles Sanders had a nice game, 19 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin, 
130 yards receiving for the Redskins and a touchdown there. And there was another late touchdown in this one like there was in that 49ers-Falcons game for the Eagles, which was just trying to make a play. And this one probably made the the betters happy. It didn't really affect the betters in the other game. But um, Haskins trying to make a play with two seconds left, flipping it back, and it ended up going the other way for a touchdown. Right, and that obviously factored in, but the first three quarters were kind of a slog, battles, you know, things were yardage were hard, and points were hard to come by, and then 33 points in the fourth quarter. You know, I was like, wow. Um, I don't want to harp on the Eagles too much in this one, I, I, but I do want to mention the Redskins, again, kind of like we talked about the Falcons, playing very hard. Um, there's some promise there. I thought this was Haskins' best performance from what I saw, and I'm excited to watch more of it that maybe he's turning a slight corner or taking a small step forward or big step forward, in all honesty. Uh, he looks pretty decent. We've got so many games to get to. we got to get this thing cooking. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road at Detroit, blowing out the Lions 38-17. Yeah, I mean, Jameis just lighting them up and the Lions having no answer at all for that passing game. Perryman, I mean, even Godwin left this game late. And it didn't matter. No, no, Mike Evans. I mean, the Bucks have when when Jameis is on. Wow, but the Lions have problems. Yeah, and Perryman with two touchdowns that helped nobody's fantasy team because nobody started him, and uh, I'm sure it crushed people to see Godwin get carted off. But he did have five catches for 121 before that happened. Luckily, and yeah, the good Winston showed up today, and uh, obviously the the Buccaneers just outmatched the Lions. Don't look now though, the Bucks they would be in it if they were in the NFC East. They're at seven and seven now. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the Bucks are trending the right direction, and I, I think it really leans towards Jameis coming back. The Chicago Bears gave the Packers all they could handle, but fell in the end. 21-13 Packers win at home. Packers now 11-3, looking like they're in a, a, a nice spot to get that number two seed in the NFC and maybe have a bye. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, I called them an under or an overrated team. They don't seem like an eleven and three type of team to me. But this was a professional win. You did what you had to do. You didn't hurt yourself bad. The Bears weren't horrible in this. They were just a lesser team by about a touchdown. I agree. And in this win, even the Packers did not look like a team that you're like afraid of, afraid to right. see in the playoffs. And Rodgers sixteen to thirty three for two hundred yards, just not. Not an overwhelming – Rodgers is a weird one because I expect him to, to have these streak of games where it's like, okay, here's Aaron Rodgers. And they, they had a little bit of a run mid-season, you know, new coaching staff. Takes a little while sometimes, but just haven't seen it. And there was a lot of folks that uh, have been talking to me on Twitter about how much better Drew Brees is than Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. at this point, he's playing better. I mean, he's playing a lot better. Is it all Peyton? Is it is Rodgers done as we know him as the super high-level quarterback that most of us have in our mind? Let's talk after the playoffs, but I'm starting to lean towards this is back nine Aaron Rodgers, although Valdez Scantling dropped a beautiful long touchdown pass yeah. but it made this game a lot different early on. Alligator arms on that one. Yeah. No catches for Scantling. Seven for 103 for Devontae Adams. On the other side, two receivers going over 100 yards for the Bears. Allen Robinson, seven for 125. And Anthony Miller, nine for 118. Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs blow out the Broncos. Drew Locke had some nice throws early. Uh, didn't look great in the second half, but uh, that was a rough one with just playing a better team in the Chiefs who who came to play, and I liked how their secondary played in this one as well against the Broncos, 23-3 to the final. Yeah, the pass defense was great. 
Um, I think we saw this coming. I, I picked the Chiefs blowout, and it probably would have been much worse if it wasn't for such heavy snow. Um, I think the Chiefs are really trending in the right direction and are a very dangerous team. Let's go to the Patriots at Bengals. And since he stayed in this one for quite a big part of the game, and then the Patriots pulled away. A couple of bad throws from Brady. You thought, oh, man, is this going to be that upset special? But it was not to be. 34-13, Pats handled their business on the road. Yeah, a couple notes here. I mean, I I guess it's a get-right game for New England. The the shot, No one's shocked that they won this game handily. Um, Gilmore had two picks, one for a pick six. He might be my defensive player of the year vote right now. Um, but I just want to give the Bengals' defense a little bit of credit. Like, you look at this and say, boy, the, the Patriots scored 34 points. Well, the Bengals turned the ball over five times. I mean, right, yeah. they shut down Tom Brady. The, the run game, for the most part, was not easy easy trekking for the Patriots, and they accumulated yards, but they were just on the field a lot longer. The Bengals didn't play too badly on defense. One more here before we take a break. I want to get to Giants at Dolphins. The Giants trying to ruin their number two overall draft pick. They beat the Dolphins. Both teams now 3-11, to 36-20 the final. Yeah, I honestly did not see a ton of this one. Um, seemed like a fun game. Back and forth, Eli gets a win. Uh, he seemed pretty emotional late in the game with the whole place cheering for him. Um, a very cool environment. Giants have some dudes. I mean, th- th- they certainly have a more talented roster than Miami. We'll just go there. And the Bengals all but locking up the number one pick in the draft, by the way, with the New York Giants, Miami Dolphins, Washington Redskins all at 3-11 and for that 2-3-4 slots. And right now, Miami and Washington are also tied in the first tiebreaker, which is strength of schedule. So that might come down to a coin flip at, I believe, the Combine is where they flip that coin. Yeah, I think it is. It yeah. is. I've and seen then, it done, actually. It did it right in front of me. Oh, really? Year. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the New York Giants have a little bit better strength of schedule than both those teams. So they would still pick two right now. So the next two weeks will have some impact if any of those teams win or if strength of schedule changes, which it probably will and shift a little bit. But uh, it's getting down to the end there and a three-way tie for the second pick. We had to talk about that. I mean, we talk a lot about the playoffs and those scenarios. We got to talk yeah, about right. the top of the draft. It's important. Too. It's yeah. important. That's more of an off-season. Th- I mean, we should talk about it as the week goes on too, the, the race for number two. But – Let's buzz through these. Um, that is an obviously very important game. And Chase Young coming out and saying he wants to go back to Ohio State. Like, yeah, what do you think? that one, my BS meter really went off when he said that. I've heard, <laughs> yes, I've heard too many yeah. pros- prospects say that. No, man, when the, when, uh, when the agents come calling and they realize what the money is to be lost without going number one or two overall, if there's an injury, no, nah, he's coming out. But it's nice I to say. he changes his mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. All right, uh, more games. We'll finish it up. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL. Again, that's using slash locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. The Seattle Seahawks really helped themselves today, beating the Panthers, seeing the 49ers lose 30-24, 11-3 now for the Seahawks, a 5-9 for the Panthers, and Kyle Allen looked awful in this one. Yeah, I mean, a couple of notes out of this is he looked awful. I'm starting to come to the conclusion he might be awful. I never thought he was a starter to begin with, 
But if Greer can't get on the field, you know, yeah. substantially in this, and I keep hearing reports that they're not happy with him and they haven't been happy with his work ethic and where he is mentally, and that's pretty telling. Um, but a big note here for Seattle is Lockett is back to being Lockett, which makes them a much better team and a scary team. Eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf had a couple catches and a touchdown reception in that game. There was one point in the game where Kyle Allen threw a pick, then Josh Gordon attempted a pass for some reason for Seattle, throwing an interception, and then there was maybe one play in between and then another interception from Kyle Allen. So I think it was three interceptions in the span of four plays in that game. But I think the big story here is Christian McCaffrey and what he's doing historical stuff for the Panthers. According to NFL research, McCaffrey has become the first player in franchise history to join the 2000 scrimmage yard club, breaking his own Panthers record from last year, where he ended at 1965, still has two two uh, games to go to add to that 2000 yards. It's as good of a running back season as I can remember. It's amazing. And he's it's amazing. Yeah. Eight catches, 88 yards, 19 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. He just keeps cranking it out, both run game, pass game. Even when the Panthers aren't playing well, he's doing well, which has been pretty amazing. Absolutely. I mean, he is super impressive. I keep thinking he's going to wear down a little bit. Obviously, every defense keys on him. It doesn't matter. Bad quarterback play, not great offensive line play, and it's as good of a running back season as I've ever seen. Let's go to Browns Cardinals, where Arizona thumped the Browns 38-24. They put up 38 points on the Browns, and on the other side of the ball, the Browns really couldn't get much going. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at the end of the game just looked dejected. Like the sump- That's a bad situation in Cleveland. I think there's going to be a lot more fireworks in the offseason there as well, but ownership, putting their trust in kitchens at least. I mean, it might be like the Chase Young thing, but they said, yeah, we're gonna. I think we're going to go with Freddie Kitchens the rest of the way as our head coach next year, and that's a little bit surprising. Uh, I haven't seen much to like from Freddie Kitchens, but the Cardinals do their thing. Kenyon Drake, four touchdowns for the Cards, beating them 38-24. Yeah, Drake's a good player. Kyler's trending the right direction. Nice win for the Cardinals, but kind of like you alluded to, I really looked at this more of a negative for the Browns than a positive for the Cards. I mean, awful body language, basically start to finish. Where's the leadership? Um, you know, Landry and Odell can't even combine for 100 yards. I mean, Chubb's the only guy that's cranking it out and taking care of business. Um, uh, this is a pretty embarrassing game for the Browns organization. I think that's a great place to end that conversation. Let's go to the Vikings, who beat the Chargers on the road 39-10. to The Vikings now 10-4 and have a two-game lead on anybody that would be potentially a team that could take away the sixth seed from them in the playoff picture. And they still have the Packers on their schedule, so the NFC North is not done either. But the Vikings in really good shape now for that playoff run and handled their business and soundly beating the Chargers on Sunday. Yeah, great win. Very impressive. This is a very good team. Let's monitor the Cook injury. It looked really bad, and then you kind of saw him on the sidelines smiling with a big lead. Who knows? Uh, Madison was injured, inactive for this one as well. But the key to me here is the turnover battle was 7-1. to one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what more do you need to say? And this could be a conversation for later in the week, but – if I was in charge of the Chargers, I would greatly consider just letting Rivers walk as his contract expires, making Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert 
or something like that, my mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and invest in the offensive line with the Rivers money and go from there. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Rivers era is not going to end in a title. I think that's pretty clear. So figure out what's next, I think. And maybe even a team could try to get one more year out of Rivers, and, and maybe he does win somewhere else. At least let that happen, potentially, if, if that's something mm-hmm. Rivers even wants. But, yeah, he threw three picks. I think he had another fumble, right, that was returned for a touchdown. Uh, yeah. Just a bad look all around for the Chargers there, and they'll take one step forward and two steps back. That's what they've looked like this season so far and uh, we're getting Adam Thielen back and the Vikings are in really good shape. I like them going forward. The cook injury though, like you said, is one to monitor for sure. Yeah, it is. And what do we have here? Do we have any more games? We got Jags at Raiders. Oh, that too. was the one. Last yeah, I wanted, game ever in Oakland. I yeah. wanted to end ours with the last game in Oakland and <laughs> the Raiders falling on their face at the end of that game. They had a 16-3 lead going into halftime. They end up losing 20-6 to to the Jaguars, who just lost five straight games of at least 17 points or more deficit. Uh, Raiders, Oakland is done with an ugly loss. And it's sad. I'm not a Raiders fan. Um, I They're sort of... I feel for Raiders fans in the nomadic existence that the Raiders are going back and forth to LA yeah. to Oakland and then now in Las Vegas. And I, I think ownership for the Raiders doesn't really worry because now they have a lot of fans in all of those places. But I think a lot of fans feel a little bit homeless when it comes to the Raiders. I'm sure. And I was, I said bad things about both these teams going into it. Like, boy, I'd really like to bet against both these teams. And I still kind of feel that way about both franchises. You're right. But, but give the Jags some credit. I, you know, guys like Fournette and Ndokwe and Allen, I mean, some of their star power guys are very impressive. Conley came to play. Their receivers aren't bad. But I got to admit, I wanted the Raiders to win this thing in the end, go out of the nastiest stadium going, by the way. And just a, a really neat environment, though, the black hole and all that. And now it's turning a page. Like my, again, like my 13-year-old son's like, oh, that's kind of sad. Like he's never seen a team leave their stadium before, right. you know? Well, hey, in 25 years, they'll come back again, so. Right, they're due maybe five years, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows how things go in, in Las Vegas, <laughs> but they needed a new stadium, and that's clear. When you see Oakland, it's the worst, oldest, most dilapidated stadium in the NFL left. Uh, there's some other bad stadiums, I think, but the Oakland stadium situation, they've been trying to get things done in Oakland. Couldn't do it, so now they're in Las Vegas, and sometimes that's how things go, and it ends with a 2016 loss to the Jaguars. And that's it. I'm interested to hear more of your takes on what happens tonight. I think you're about to sit down and enjoy that Bills at Steelers game. And uh, it should be a good one. I'm excited to see this one. We'll talk more about that on Tuesday along with Monday Night Football right here, Locked on NFL.